Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about... The Execution of Sacco and Vanzetti. So grab your gray cap. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And <laughs> this is this is the first episode since I turned 30. Oh, my God. And you don't look a day over 29. Thank you for saying that. Um, I would say it's been high highs. My 30th birthday actual day was awesome. And then Lolo's the day after, um, my cat had to be taken into emergency surgery. He's going to be fine. But really, I have felt every emotion a human is capable of feeling. (laughs) And I am humbled by 30. It can truly only go up. It can only go up. First day of 30. It can only go up. (laughs) And you know what? Cats, you know what? Very. Kids, kids will be even worse. More, worse, they well, say. They say. I don't have swallows, them myself. So, if my child, if my child swallows two feet of ribbon, your child um, will swallow two feet of ribbon. You're right. You're <laughs> so right. <laughs> so, uh, all that to say, I'm coming at you, an empty vessel, just uh, ready to be filled once again with a feeling called joy and happiness. And we'll see. We'll see. I do want to say that when you sent over the notes for today, I laughed out loud (laughs) because it's so dark and dreary. It's so dark and dreary. Listen, you were like, we need a a quick one. And I was like, what's quick? An execution. I literally like this. This this is tickling at like my memory, but Mm -hmm. I cannot for the life of me place 
I know what this is about. I so know. I I feel as though I'm gonna have a light bulb moment I, in the middle of these notes. Being I know. Like, oh right. Yes. This right. this came up as like uh like in a history.com. I was like, what happened this week in, in history? Mm-hmm. And history.com is very helpful. And this came up and I was like, oh, right, those two. And I had huh. like vague images flash across yeah. my brain. And I started to read it and I was like, uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I think really all I knew was the names and that they did something bad. Yeah. Or like maybe they did something bad, but there was a scandal about it. But I didn't really know anything else. It's a very interesting story. And it's um, it's a little like making a murderer type sure. about the the whole deal. Um. Yeah, it was it's very interesting. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. So obviously today we're talking about the execution of Sacco and Vanzetti. For those of you who knows what that is, I feel like I'm going to remember what that is in about 15 <laughs> minutes. So I'll see you then. But before we jump in, do you want to talk about the sources for today? Some sure. fun ones. Some fun ones. Yeah. Um, so an article or an essay rather from Atlantic Magazine all the way from 1927 by Felix Frankfurter, who was like a Harvard law professor, if I'm getting that right, if my memory serves from the, from the essay. But he was there during the trial and, and talks about the whole, the whole affair mm-hmm. and kind of goes through a play by play and talks about the controversy and why he thinks they're innocent. And yeah, it was, it was really, it was a really interesting essay and it was really cool to read something in like a 1927 speak. Sure. And yeah. you're like, wow, everybody sounded so educated. <laughs> so educated. I mean, he was a, like a Harvard law guy, but still. Sure, sure. Me as well. Yes, 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 yes. And then obviously history.com because that's where I got the idea. Thank you, history.com. Thank you. Thank you. The Massachusetts Stack of website. Thank you. Love it. They had some great, uh, great information about like the evidence. Ooh. Yeah. And then an article from the professor named Doug Linder, who is from the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Law. And he had some interesting stuff to say or some like more recent findings Mm. about more recent happenings that came to light after. Because like it's one of those things where think one of those cases where things have continued to evolve over time. Sure. It's like they were killed, I think, in 19. They were executed in 19. 31 maybe mm-hmm. i can't remember mm-hmm. the year we'll talk about it <laughs> we'll talk about it um but then like they did like in 1961 they did like a ballistics test in 77 something happened Ooh. in 82 something happened like up until like 2005 there was like yeah. a recent discovery so like things continue to evolve so he had um some uh pieces of information on his website that were very interesting so we'll talk about all those right two. all right all right all right well let's jump into this <laughs> execution and figure out what the devil happened. So let's get into it. At about three o'clock in the afternoon on April 15th, 1920, Perminter, a paymaster, and Baradelli, his guard, were fired upon and killed by two men armed with pistols as they were carrying two boxes containing the payroll of a shoe factory of Slater and Morrill, amounting to $15,776.51 from the company's office building to the factory through the main street 
of South Braintree, Massachusetts. So we have two guys, Parameter and Berardelli, who are basically moving the money, moving the money from point A to point B. And in that transition of the money, boom, boom, shots rang out. Two guys killed them and probably steal the money. Yeah. After going to a garage to claim a car that police said was connected with the crime, Sacco and Vanzetti were arrested and charged with the crime. Although both men carried guns and made false statements upon their arrest, neither had a previous criminal record. So these guys are caught with their hand in the cookie jar basically trying to, like, get to a car that is somehow associated with the murder of these two individuals. Yes. So Sacco and Vanzetti are our guys. Yeah. So these are the two guys we're following. They've following. killed these two people and made off with the money in theory. In theory. That's, that is what they are accused That's of That's what they're accused of doing. So let's talk about the trial. It's mm. very explosive and colorful. Ooh. Yeah. So charged with the crime of murder on May 5th, Sacco and Vanzetti were indicted on September 14th, 1920 and put on trial on May 21st, 1921 in Dedham, Norfolk County, which is a quiet residential suburb inhabited by well-to-do Bostonians with a surviving element of New England small farmers. So this is all from the 1927 article, or sorry, essay by um, Felix Felix Frankfurter. Mm -hmm. So this is all the the old speaky. But it's it's really cool because he's describing like of the time, the people who were there and his perspective. And um, yeah, it's cool. So he says, part of the jury was specially selected by the sheriff's deputies from Masonic gatherings and from persons whom the deputies deemed, quote, representative citizens, substantial and intelligent. So they're mm-hmm. cherry picking the jury. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. We love to see sure. it. Seems sure. fair. Sure. Seems fair. Mm-hmm. He continues. The presiding judge was Webster Thayer of Worcester, the chief counsel for, he says, these Italians, which is important because it's 1927. So the Ita- so Italians and Polish people are right. not this is like, of like equal citizens. Right, discriminatory against it, right, it's discri- immigrants con- and all that. Yeah, they're considered lower citizens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the chief counsel for, he says, these Italians, the, the defendant, Sacco and Vanzetti, was a Westerner. Mm-hmm. which is considered a radical and a professional defender of radicals. So what he's saying is he's an outsider. So the chief counsel for the defendants is somebody who's not from this town, who's mm-hmm. considered an outsider and a radical, unfamiliar with the traditions of the Massachusetts bench, not even a member of the Massachusetts bar. So their lawyer is does not, not practice not law in the state line. of Massachusetts, not barred Yikes. in the state. Like, Yikes. not good. Yeah. Like, not already good. in modern context, this is grounds for a yeah, retrial. They would, they would not, this would not even have happened. It would not even get yeah. so far as to trial in this state, like yeah. in the state of affairs as they currently are. Yeah. Sacco and Vanzetti spoke very broken English. And their testimony shows how often they misunderstood the questions put to them. In fact, an interpreter had to be used, whose conduct raised such doubts that the defendants brought their own interpreter to check his questions and answers. 
So the, they had an interpreter, but the, mm-hmm. but the defendants didn't like the interpreter. Yeah. But they had doubts about what the, the court interpreter was saying. And so they had their own interpreter brought in to verify. Sure. So this is all the very God. bad. The yeah, God. Very yeah, bad. this is all very bad. So let's talk about the evidence. Like, uh, why, how could we possibly be charging these two men, these two Italians, with double homicide, essentially? Mm-hmm. So first key piece of evidence is eyewitness testimony. 59 witnesses testified for the Commonwealth and 99 for the defendants. There was extensive contradictory testimony from eyewitnesses. Subsequently, Judge Thayer ruled that, quote, these verdicts did not rest, in my judgment, upon the testimony of eyewitnesses. So essentially, nothing aligns. Nothing like this person says this thing. This person says another thing. The judge is like, honestly, I'm not even considering eyewitness testimony. Because no, none of it made sense. Because none mm-hmm. of it makes sense. So yeah. my judgment has nothing to do with this. No. The next key piece of evidence is ballistics. The prosecution maintained that the fatal bullet known as bullet number three fired at Baradelli came from Sacco's Colt pistol. At trial, state police captain William H. Proctor testified that, in his opinion, bullet number three was, quote, consistent with being fired from Sacco's gun. Two years later, Captain Proctor signed an affidavit stating that he did not believe Sacco's pistol fired bullet number three and that he had shared his doubts prior to testifying. But it, but I, this is what, this is what grinds my gears. It's like, sure, you share your doubts with, you know, maybe the prosecution or the judge or whatever, but then you still testify. Right. Like, why not when you're on, on, on the bench. Right. Up there, lights up, say, I don't think that this was shot from his gun. Or I have my doubts. I'm I have not my doubts. sure. I can't say one way I or the other. I cannot say for certain that this because was shot. Because it's 1927 it and we don't really have ballistics. Right. I, I literally it just could fired be. a similar gun and was like, looks kind of the same. Right. Third piece of, the third piece of, oh my You're going to, this the, one's great. This one's great. great. This is a little OJ Simpson. Oh, golly. Mm-hmm. So the third piece of evidence is the cap. C-A-P, the cap. The day after the robbery and murders, a gray cloth cap with a torn lining, was found near where Berardelli's body had fallen. The prosecution claimed that it resembled one owned by Sacco. <laughs> so if you got a gray cap, Watch you out. best be hiding. Watch, Watch it. If you have a gray cap in 1927, where the only option for a color of a cap is gray, you best watch yourself. Watch yourself. Testimony indicated that Sacco hung his cap on a nail while at work. Prosecutors claimed that that nail tore the lining. This cap was not the same size as other caps found at Sacco's home. So the prosecutors are basically trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. They're like, obviously it's Sacco's cap because Sacco hangs his caps on nails. Nails inherently tear lining. This cap has a torn lining. Sign, seal, deliver, shut, close case. Done. 
this is crazy, the prosecution ended up asking Sacco to try on the cap. Mm-hmm. Sacco said it was too small. The prosecution maintained that it fit. They're literally like, try it on, try it on. That fits. And they're like, the other side is like, it doesn't fit. It fits. It doesn't fit. Like, this guy's it's standing like there with small. a hat on, and it's like a flipping Abbott and Costello set. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's too small. It hurts. In 1927, prior to the executions, Jeremiah Gallivan, chief of police in Braintree from 1905 to 1926, stated that he had torn the cap's lining to see if he could find inside any marks of identification. So he did it himself. He did it himself. Honey? I know we're halfway there, but I just don't think that these two guys killed these other two guys. It's really, it's really ludicrous. It's, it's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. It's crazy. It is. It's crazy. So now we've come to alibis. Mm. Alibis. So Sacco and Vanzetti each offered evidence of an alibi. Sacco testified that on April 15, 1920, he had taken the day off from work and traveled to Boston to request a passport from the Italian consulate. Several witnesses testified that they saw Sacco en route to Boston or in Boston. Sacco also offered the photo that he attempted to use to obtain the passport. An official from the consulate testified that he rejected the photo because of its large size that its size made it memorable, and that while discussing the photo with other members of the consulate, he clearly observed the date on a large calendar. So this guy at the consulate's like, oh yeah, I remember this dude. He brought in this huge photo. Big ass picture. That's why I remember him. And then I looked <laughs> over and it said, oh, look, it's, you know, May 21st, whatever day it was. Yeah, whatever day it was. Benzetti testified that he was peddling fish in Plymouth on April 15th, 1920. Several witnesses corroborated Vanzetti's testimony. So he's like, I was selling fish. And other people were like, I saw that dude selling fish. Mm -hmm. The trial lasted nearly seven weeks. And on July 14th, 1921, Sacco and Vanzetti were found guilty of murder in the first degree. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I'm coming for you, judge. Slash jury. I know. Of, like, hand-picked yeah. Masonic uh, yeah. <laughs> people who also were picked by the chief of police or whatever. I mean, like, it's so crazy. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's Everything's bad. Well, speaking of so bad, let's talk about the protests and the aftermath that occurred due to this verdict that I think we can all agree is bullshit. It's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. Anti-radical sentiment was running high in America at the time, and the trial of Sacco and Vanzetti was regarded by many as unlawfully sensational. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the cap alone, really. The cap alone is really the tipper. Too much. The guy Not was like, I tore, it, I tore it open. And Not then they props. had to find a reason. It's so dumb. <laughs> Why it was torn. Authorities had failed to come up with any evidence of the stolen money, and much of the other evidence against them was later discredited. 
During the next few years after the trial, sporadic protests were held in Massachusetts and around the world calling for their release, especially after Celestino Medeiros, then under a sentence for murder, confessed in 1925 that he had participated in the crime with the Joe Morelli gang. The state Supreme Court refused to upset the verdict, and Massachusetts Governor Alvin T. Fuller denied the men clemency. So crazy. I mean, it's not because it's 1927. Right. But it's so crazy that the Supreme Court upheld this. Yeah. In the days leading up to the execution, protests were held in cities around the world and bombs were set off in New York City and Philadelphia. Sure. I mean, big communities. I mean, this is fucked up. On August 23rd, which I believe is the day this episode airs, it is. Sacco and Vansetti were electrocuted. In 1961, a test of Sacco's gun using modern forensic techniques apparently proved it was his gun that killed the guard, though little evidence has been found to substantiate Vanzetti's guilt. So... 40 years later, we're like, actually, it was the gun. It was the gun. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know about Vanzetti, the other guy. It's a wild ride. In 1977, 15 years after that, Massachusetts, I can't say, I cannot say Massachusetts. Massachusetts is such a hard, I can't. It like gives me a lisp to say it. I know. And if there's words around Massachusetts, it's even worse. Yeah. In 1977, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis issued a proclamation vindicating Saku and Vanzetti, stating that they had been treated unjustly and that no stigma should be associated with their names. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's like... So it's, it's in, in the, the 60s, we're like, it was Sacco, not Vanzetti. In 77, we're like, you know what? They all, right. they, they got the shit into the stick here. Right, because there had been so much press for all these years. Even back then, like there were people who were in their corner back then who were like this is shit this is shit this is shit this you're is just shit. attacking them because they're radicals and they're right. italian right they didn't do it they're, your evidence is bullshit right so the jury is shit this trial is shit yeah and so yeah like in 77 dukakis is like yeah this was all this was all shit and actually all that sounds true like the right. trial sounds like a bag of bag of baloney bag of shit well, because like remember, shit. right, like the, the, the tricky thing about trials is that, especially murder trials, you have the prosecution has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that these people committed this crime. Right. And honey, I got doubts. I got doubts. Yeah. <laughs> I got big doubts. Yeah. Even even if you had like the gun, you still have everything else's right. bullshit. You know, and even then, if you have maybe the gun, you just got Sacco. Right. You don't have Vanzetti. You don't have Vanzetti. Right. And like, and he, he has an established alibi. They both do. In terms, right. Like, so you can prove it's his gun, but maybe, like, you don't know that he maybe was he there. Maybe he wasn't there. Right? So. They so, both reach for the gun, the gun, the gun, They both reach for the gun, the gun, the gun. <laughs> Such a good musical. So now we've come to, like, recent stuff that we've learned hmm So this is all coming from Doug Linder. So further word on the Sacco and Vanzetti case came in a November 1982 letter from Ideal Gambura to Francis Russell. 
So in his letter, Gambura revealed that his father, Giovanni Gambura, who died at age 93 in June of 1982, was a member of the four-person team of anarchist leaders that met shortly after the arrest of Sacco and Vanzetti to plan for their defense. In his letter to Russell, Gambura said, quote, Everyone in the anarchist inner circle knew that Sacco was guilty and that Vanzetti was innocent as far as the actual participation in the killing. Vanzetti undoubtedly knew who the Braintree bandits were. He may have had some limited role in planning the crime, or perhaps had advanced knowledge of the crime, but it seems likely that Vanzetti was, as he told the jury, selling fish in Plymouth on April 15th, 1920. Wow. Which continues to line up. Right. Again, it's like you've got Sacco, you don't got Vanzetti. Right, you don't got Vanzetti. Right. So then in 2005... Like another twist is coming. Another twist is coming. In 2005, another... Revelation came when a letter written in September of 1929 by Upton Sinclair. Jesus Christ. What? Enter stage right. Upton Sinclair. Sinclair. <laughs> what did he write? Did he write the Jungle Book? What did he, he did. He wrote the Jungle Book. He did. Book. wrote, jungle yeah, book. He wrote the like, Jungle I Book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. So Go on. <laughs> So in 2005, a letter was discovered that was written by Upton Sinclair in September of 1929. So this is all a quote from from Doug Linder. In a letter to his private attorney, John Beardsley, Sinclair described a meeting he had with Sacco and Vanzetti's defense attorney, Fred Moore, in a Denver hotel room. Sinclair arranged the meeting with Moore when he uncovered troubling information while researching a novel that condemned the execution of Sacco and Vanzetti. So this is a quote from... Um, from Upton Sinclair, from the letter, which I did see the PDF of, by the way. Oh, fun. Yeah. So this is a a quote from Upton Sinclair. Quote, Alone in a hotel room with Fred, I begged him to tell me the whole truth. What Moore revealed, Moore says, quote, He told me the men were guilty, and he told me in every detail how he had framed a set of alibis for them. Okay. Sinclair worried that revealing the truth about the guilt of Sacco and Vanzetti might quote, make things harder for the victims of future frame-up by government officials. Wait a second. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Upton. So Upton Sinclair, like, buries this letter and for however many years because mm-hmm. doesn't want it publicly known because he doesn't want it to get out in case it hurts future cases of other people who are framed by government, government. officials for yeah. being radicals because they were radicals. They just yeah. happened to do the thing that they were accused of doing. Right. Other people are not going to have done the thing. Right. Two things are true about this that are really fascinating. Number one, the government was framing and acting. Yes. Extremely discriminatory yes. towards these Italian immigrants. Yes. Absolutely true. Yes. Num- and, and there were so many fl- like even. Oh, my God. This would have been in, in modern day, like even with all of the knowing everything that comes out afterwards, like their sentence would be overturned because of how mm-hmm. much like, like, uh, mis- like, um, what's it called? Rights, their rights were violated. Oh, the, yeah, their civil the rights trying, were like, Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's all true, right? Like the government was really grasping at straws. People oh, yes. were lying on the stand. They did not have proper counsel. Yes. Like all of that is true. And that was purely discriminatory because yes. they were Italians, obviously. Yes. Other thing is true, honey, they did it. <laughs> Sounds like they did it. 
that actually they did do it. Yeah. And instead of building an, an actual case to convict them, the government instead did not do that. No. Sounds um, like they built a fraudulent the case. Right. Right. They just happened to get it right, at least for Sacco. I'm still not convinced that Vanzetti. No. Pulled the trigger. trigger. Like it no. should not have been executed. No. For murder, because no. I don't believe that anything that's come out in the past hundred years no. has proven that he pulled the trigger. No. Sacco, again, you, I mean, it's so hard to like prove that somebody killed somebody in 1927 with the amount of evidence that you have, but right. you know, you can make the case there for him for sure. Right. And not Vanzetti. That's no. not. But still, in modern day, it wouldn't matter because everything would be overturned because the government fucked this up. Fucked it up. Fucked it up. Not the cap. No. The cap. Surely not the cap. No. And then I'm like, why did the police chief be like, yeah, I have doubts that this is his gun. You know? Right. Messy. Messy, but fun. So messy. And then Upton Sinclair, sorry, Upton Sinclair being like, I don't want people to know in case other people try to get framed by the government. I'm like, Upton... (laughs) I know. You're being, you're gatekeeping. Yeah. You're gatekeeping for no reason. Like, I I kind of get what you're saying, but also, like, this is, this feels as though you're just burying the lead on this for your own personal reasons. Well, he's, like, trying to protect, you know, like, other radical people in the future who are going to, who he's assuming are going to be framed by the government. You know, like, he's... He's like, you know, foreseeing the Red Scare, you know? Yeah. And but it's also like, but these, so like, at least I, one of them did do it. <laughs> but one of them did do it. Yeah. You this know? isn't the right. I feel like what he's trying to assert here, this is the wrong case for. Right. You know, if this was, if this was an like instance you, where like they actually were, like there was no evidence and it all came out that this was a fraud for sure. Right. Like, but, but they did do it. So they like they were framed and they also weren't. <laughs> right, right, right. It's a little bit it's like when you watch the um like the I don't know, like to me it just reminded me of the making of a murderer Stephen Avery case where I'm like mm-hmm. totally. I don't know, like that girl's body definitely definitely was found on that totally. land. And I get it. It sounds like there might have been some evidence planted, but like totally. that girl's body was definitely that found still on that on the land. Thing. Right, right. No, so, it's the nuance of it all, right? That's what makes kind of these like high profile yeah. cases nowadays so interesting is, especially making a murder, why it was so captivating was right. because you start out being like, he's so innocent, he's so framed. Then right. midway through, you're like, yikes, he's guilty. Right. Then you end season two being, or season one being like, oh God, I don't know. Then you get season two and you're like, wait a second, maybe he is innocent. And then you're like, oh, but his nephew is definitely innocent. Right. But then you're like, oh, but then he's guilty. And it's just like you're on this roller coaster because nobody's telling the truth. There was so much shady shit done by the cops. There was so much shady shit done by the Stephen Avery. And it shows like what's what's truth and what's reality. It becomes so difficult. Right. Right. So, yeah. Well. What an episode on the execution of Saku and Vanzetti. This was really, honestly, what I needed after the week Great. that I had. Just to just like dip into some true, some historical true crime. Yes. Historical true crime. That's what this is. That's our new segment. Mm-hmm. Historical true crime. Historical crimes. true crime. 
We'll do more. If you have historical true crimes that you know of that you want us to do, literally DM us and I guarantee you we'll do them. Okay? Okay. Okay. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.